If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to open to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look there. If you've ever been on a job interview, one of the questions they'll ask you is something along these lines. Tell me what you've done in the past that qualifies you for this job. Or they'll ask you something like, what character qualities do you have that would make me want to hire you? But if you think back to job interviews you've had, my my guess is you've never been asked this question. Why do you do what you do? You see, when people are trying to size us up, when they're trying to find out what kind of a person you are, they always go to our methods, but not our motives. There was a young woman who wrote this letter to her ex-fiancé. She had broken his heart about a year earlier. And she said, Dear John, I have been unable to sleep since I broke off our engagement. It has shattered me. I can no longer live without you. Will you please forgive me? Your absence is breaking my heart. I was a fool to leave you. Nobody can take your place. I love you so much. Will you please call me soon? I'll wait anxiously by the phone to hear your voice. Love always, Donna. And then she added this. P.S., Congratulations on winning the $6 million lottery. (laughs) See, often when we judge other people, or even when we judge our own lives, we tend to look at the body of the letter, and we don't pay much attention to the PS. And it's how we differ from God, because uh, we look at the what, and God looks at the why. We look at the how much, but God just looks at the how. And we judge people by their methods. God judges by their motive. Remember, we're looking at the the Sermon on the Mount, and it's telling us truth by truth that this is the only way to live. And Jesus is going to spend this whole next chapter teaching us the way to live without hypocrisy. And specifically this morning, we're going to deal with the area of, of giving and giving to the poor and doing good for other people. And he makes these statements that that remind us that when we give to others, when we do for others, it's supposed to be for his eyes only. And he says this, when you give, give sincerely. Look with me, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. See, the subject here in general is giving, but he uses this specific example of giving to the poor and to the needy. And I want us to notice that Jesus expects us as his followers, as his children, to give and to give generously. Continue with me, verse 2. So, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Notice he said, when you give, not if you give. It's kind of exciting as as a preacher's standpoint to know that Jesus, in the greatest sermon ever preached, couldn't complete this sermon without talking about giving. And I know there are a lot of people that don't like it when the pastor talks about giving and talks about money, but did you know that one-tenth of all the verses in the gospel deal with the subject of money? A a tithe of the gospel deals with tithe. (laughs) 288 verses. 
In fact, if you read throughout the entire Bible, you'll find less than 500 verses that talk about faith. Only 500 verses that deal with prayer. And yet there are over 2,000 verses that deal with finances and, and money. And we need to understand that our faith and our finances really go hand in hand. What we do with our checkbook is as important as what we do with Scripture. And Jesus expects us as his followers to, to give. To be a blessing with what he has blessed us with. There was the flamboyant uh, mayor of New York City during the Great Depression. His name was Mayor LaGuardia. And before mayor, he served as a time as police court judge. And one cold winter's day, a man was brought before him and he had been charged with stealing a loaf of bread. And the guardian asked him if he was guilty and the man said he was. And he said he had taken the bread because his family was starving and they had no money to buy food. So LaGuardia told him, he said, Sir, I have to punish you. The law makes no exceptions, and I fine you $10. And he brought down his gavel. And the man said, Your Honor, I have no money for this fine. You may as well throw me in prison. And LaGuardia said, But I'm not finished. And he pulled out his wallet, and he took out a $10 bill, and he gave it to the bailiff. And he said, Here's the money for your fine. And then he said to the bailiff, Wait, give me that back. And he took the $10, and he put it in a hat. And he gave it to the bailiff. And he said, I'm going to suspend your sentence. And I'm going to fine everyone in the courtroom 50 cents for living in a town where a man has to steal bread in order to feed his family. And when the man left the courtroom that day, there was a bounce in the step and $47.50 in his pocket. You see, that's the kind of attitude that God expects us as his children to have with our finances, with our possessions, with, with everything that he has blessed us with. But as we look at the, the scripture we're dealing with, Jesus is talking about something here that's unique because, again, the problem was not what. The problem was the why. He, he's dealing specifically with the Pharisees here, and, and they were the people that, that were doing their good deeds so that they could be seen by men. That, that word seen, it gives us the word theater. It means it's something to be stared at. In other words, they were people that were just doing things so that they could be seen by other people, and other people would think that they were generous, and they were just putting on a show, a Broadway performance. The Pharisees loved that. They loved doing these piety parades. They had this kind of a strut-your-stuff type of spirituality. Jesus said about them in John 12, 43, they loved the praise of men, more than the praise of God. And the sad thing was, the Pharisees, they were doing the right thing. They were just doing it for the wrong reasons. But they believed they were doing the right thing, and they believed that God was pleased with what they were doing, not why they were doing it. And even Jesus himself couldn't convince them any differently. I, I heard about a tombstone once, and the epitaph said this, here lies the body of William J. He died maintaining his right of way. He was right, dead right, as he sped along. But he's just as dead as if he were wrong. See, we need to be giving for the right reasons. Because you may be giving generously to the church and to neediest causes and, and wonderful benefits, but the question is, are we giving in order to share what we have in order to share what God has blessed us with or are we giving just to show 
what we have. He says, when you give, give sincerely. Also, when you give, give spontaneously. Listen again to verse 2. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets like the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. I love this passage. And Jesus is talking about something here. And the Pharisees didn't actually blow trumpets. right? They didn't throw money in the offering and look at me. But in the temple, there were these 13 receptacles that people would place their offerings in. And the mouthpieces of these went into these chests and they were all made out of brass and they were shaped like trumpets. And so if you wanted to make a show of your giving, you could throw your money into it in such a way that it would make such a loud, clattering noise that everybody would hear it. And they would all turn around and look and see who was giving and who was so generous. It was known as sounding a trumpet. In other words, they were tooting their own horns. And Jesus had a word for people like this. He called them hypocrites. In fact, that was Jesus' favorite word for the Pharisees. Hypocrites. In verse 2, he called them hypocrites about their giving. In verse 5, he calls them hypocrites about their praying. In verse 16, he calls them hypocrites about their fasting. Now, that word is the Greek word for actor. In Greek and Roman times, the, uh, geez, these people would wear these large masks and costumes designed to increase their size and their appearance. They would wear platform shoes to make them taller and do everything they could to make them appear to be something they were not. Just for the same reason that modern actors and actresses do it today. They, they put on heavy makeup and these special costumes and they project an image that appears to be real but really fake. Hypocrite. The hypocrite took, soon took on the connotation of someone who would treat the world as the stage. And they were just playing a part. Someone who would appear to be something they were not. And the Pharisees, they were just playing this game of religious make-believe. Today's actors will tell you that good acting begins when the actor believes in the reality of the person they're playing. And that emotion gets reinforced by proper technique and knowing the cues and knowing what to say and when to say it and what to do and when to do it. See, that's what's so sad about the Pharisees. Pharisees weren't pretending to pray. They were actually praying. They were just praying with the wrong motives. They weren't pretending to fast. They were actually fasting, just fasting with the wrong motives. They weren't pretending to give. They were actually giving and giving generously. But they were giving with the wrong motive. You see, you can have the correct techniques and know what to say and when to say it and convince people something that you're something you're not. That's what the Pharisees did. They, they knew when the cameras were rolling and, and if they weren't rolling, they'd get them rolling and they were right on cue. And Jesus looks at his followers and he warns them, don't make the same mistake that people make every day. And that's to major on when what we see in the outer person and neglect what we see in the heart. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! 
You cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, then the outside of them will be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. He said the Pharisees did a great job of whitewashing, just a horrible job of dishwashing. And they were more concerned about their reputations than their character. And whenever you try to use your goodness to cause other people to notice you and to brag on you and to give you your praise and your honor, when that becomes your motive, then you have your glory from men. He said, I I say to you, they have their reward. That word reward, that's a, a technical expression that was used when you completed a transaction and you got a receipt and it was stamped, paid in full. Jesus said those who trumpet around and parade their good works so that other people can see them, they receive their reward the moment the, moment the clapping starts. And they get exactly what they're looking for. No less, but no more. And he says that kind of giving, that doesn't mean anything to God. There are people that, that give money to church and to charity and other organizations for, for tax breaks. And, and there's nothing wrong with you claiming all legitimate deductions. But, but if you're just giving to get the deduction, then hold on to the receipt and treasure it. Because Jesus says that's your reward. If we're not giving because we love Jesus, if we're not giving because we want the work of God to be supportive, if we're not giving because we want to see the love of Christ expanded to this entire world, then no matter what the IRS puts down in our tax return, God writes down a zero. (laughs) Several years ago, I heard this great piece of advice. It said this, Be who you is, because if you is who you ain't, then you ain't who you is. (laughs) Give spontaneously. Because of God's movement in your heart. And finally, when you give, give secretly. Verse 3. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now, it doesn't really mean we shouldn't give openly. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't do righteous deeds publicly. I mean, Jesus said back in chapter 5, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and they may praise your Father in heaven. Kind of sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? On one hand, Jesus says, do what you're doing in secret. On the other hand, he says, do it so other people will see you and praise your Father in heaven. How do you reconcile that? Well, here's a good thing to remember. If it's boastful to show it, hide it. But if it's shameful to hide it, show it. So our giving, we do it secretly, but our witnessing, we do that publicly. Jesus is saying, let your giving, let whatever you do be for his eyes only. We don't have to make a show of what we have or what we give. As a matter of fact, it's not always wise to let people know what you have or what you give. 
There was a man walking down the street one night and he passed by this dark alley and two thugs jumped out. And they grabbed him and began to, to beat him up and he had bleeding from his nose and a busted lip and, and they went all through his pockets and all they found were 67 cents. And they looked at him and they said, you put up this terrible fight for 67 cents? He said, oh, I thought you were after the $500 in my shoe. Well, let me just give us a few practical steps here before we close. First, whatever you do, do it for your neighbor's good and do it for God's glory, not your personal gain. Someone once said, when a man does for himself, he takes with him, but what he does for others, he leaves behind. The second, the real you, <laughs> the real you is... What you do when only God sees it. Robert Redford was walking through a hotel lobby one day and a woman noticed him and began to follow him. And when he got into the elevator, she stopped and she said, Are you the real Robert Redford? And as the doors closed, he said, Only when no one else is looking. See, the real you is who you are when nobody else sees except God. And finally, trust God and He's going to reward you. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Trust that He will reward you for your blessings. In the 19th century, there was a, a member of the British Parliament. He was going to Scotland for a speech. And his carriage got mired in the road and, and a little Scottish farm boy came to his aid. And even though he knew he was already late getting home and his dad was going to be upset, he took the hour and a half necessary to help get the man out of the mud. And the guy told, asked the little boy, he said, well, how much do I owe you? And the little farm boy could have used the money, but he said, sir, not nothing. I'm just glad to help you out. I'm just following the golden rule. And so the man asked him, he said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, well, I'd like to be a doctor. So the man got the little boy's name, and years later, he paid for this farm boy to go to school and become a doctor. Well, 50 years pass, and there's a world leader that lay sick with an infection in the country of Morocco. And a miracle drug gets administered to him, this new drug called penicillin, discovered by Sir Alexander Fleming. Fleming was the Scottish boy with the team of horses. And the man who had sponsored his education, that was uh, Lord Randolph Churchill, father of Winston Churchill, the sick statesman who later recovered. Take God's word for it. He has a great way of rewarding even a cup of cold water that's been given in his name. So whatever we do, do it for his eyes only. Do it for his glory only. And our reward, it'll be great. Not just here on earth, but it'll be great in heaven. So let me ask you as we close, are you ready for that reward in heaven? Is your life prepared? Because it all begins by surrendering your life over to God here on earth. If that's what you need to do this morning, I invite you to come.